0: Jim Cramer began studying stocks when he was in the fourth grade. Since then, he has gone on to write numerous books about investing, and he hosts Mad Money on CNBC. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, Jim Cramer talks about his passion for Philadelphia sports, his relationship with his wife, Lisa, and what stocks should be put on your watch list.
2: Jim? Hey, it's Carlos Watson. How you doing?
3: Oh, I'm fine.
2: How are you? Good. Good to see you. Uh. You know I got to get right into the Eagles off the top. Oh, I love I'm you, ready. but will you, will you let me get into the Eagles? Of course. All right. Are we talking Wentz? Are we talking Hurts? Or are you going to the draft? What are you What are you doing at quarterback?
3: Well, I got to tell you, our new uh, coach, uh, Serena, he, he's a smart fellow, okay? And he is a protege of Frank Wright. And Frank Wright worked very well with with Wentz. So, therefore, I'm taking a convoluted way to say that Wentz is going to get the nod And if he gets the help that Frank Wright
2: gave him, then all's well it ends well. You know what? I love your optimism. As a Cleveland fan, as a Cleveland Browns fan, I know what you're talking about. I've never gone the distance like you guys did with St. Nick's help. I've never gotten all the way to the promised land, but I've gotten close. So uh, hopefully you're right. Hopefully I I felt bad for Peterson, though, if I'm honest. I felt like he did right by you guys. And, yeah, we had a bad season or two, but I felt like he did right by you guys in the main.
3: I couldn't agree more. I don't want to say it's a travesty because I, I like Mr. Lurie, uh, but, uh, and I don't like a losing product. When we only won four games. But I went to the Super Bowl, and it was very special. Uh, no one else had been able to bring us to the, to the Super Bowl. I and mean, last time we won a championship was in 1960 before. So I just feel like wasn't there another way to, to wait a year and give him another try? There were a lot of injuries. We did the same thing to Andy Reid. And look what happened to Andy. Andy's now got a dynasty going in Kansas City. And I really feel like, ouch, that's not right. One more season when they had an offensive line that would have been good. And there's a there's a guy named Brandon Brooks. I don't know if you know him because he's uh, Ohio. And he went to uh, Miami of Ohio. He is our best uh, line, offensive lineman. And he went down before se- the season even began. When you lose your best players on the line and no one knows who they are, I think the fans get confused. Now I know Baker Mayfield's been on your show, if yes. I'm right. Okay. All but right. But you know Baker.
2: Yeah, of course I do.
3: I think he showed everyone was so in love uh with I'd say with the Cincinnati Bengal quarterback. right, and not right, enough that right, uh, they right. love City. Sure. sure. They didn't know. And what I saw, uh, when I saw uh when I saw Chubb and Hunt, oh my God. I am just gonna trade around. I'm a fantasy guy. I'm gonna trade if I get a high draft. I'm going to drop down to say 10-11 so I can get both Chubb and Hunt. That's how
2: much I love Cleveland. Wow. Wow. So so what do you believe? Do you believe we're going to get a ring in the next three years? Do you think that we'll continue to rise, or did we just have a lucky year here? Cleveland Browns I'm talking about now.
3: No, no, no. That defense, that defense is unbelievable. Uh, if anyone can cover uh, – look, we, uh, no one can cover Devontae Adams. I keep hearing that. But you know what? You've got to be able to get the quarterback. And I just love the aggression you guys had. It really is. It's such a good team to watch. Remember, it's also not in my division, so I can root for them. And I know I did. My wife was saying, why do you like the Brows? I said, first of all, we have a lot of friends in Cleveland. But second, this is the new team. This is the new team. And I just thought they played with great joy."
2: Uh, I, I, I love that. There are only a couple of teams that really play with great joy. The rest of them make me feel like it's work. You know what? So I, I agree with you, and I like that great joy point. Although your friend Michael Jordan would tell you it's not about great joy. It's about great intensity. It's about great ferocity. All right. But, all right, important question here, really important question here. Odell Beckham Jr., do you want him back? Everybody you and I know will tell you that talent-wise, he's one of the top five wide receivers of all time. And yet you and I know that Cleveland won, continued to win after he was gone. Maybe it was a better team. Do you welcome a superstar like that back, or do you not? And then I'm going to tell you what Lloyd Blankfein told me a week ago about a similar kind of situation.
3: Okay, and I I will always defer to Lloyd because he was my mentor, and I know that he's been on your show. I would say this. um, The answer is no, I don't want him. Uh, by the way, Landry played, played great, you know, in their buds. So I, I totally get that. But there are certain people, I remember going to a Giants game and I saw him disrespect the coach right in front of the whole stadium. And what does that say to me? Uh, you mentioned Michael Jordan, it's intensity. His intensity is about himself, it's the me, me, me thing. I am sure in the huddle, he's saying, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open. That's what DJx did to Sean. There's no room for that. And so, therefore, I'm going to say, as talented as he is, uh-uh.
2: Don't want him in the locker room. Don't want him in the huddle. Now, I'm going to push you, Jim. I love you, but I'm going to push you. You and Lloyd and everyone I know love to say that in the coolness of the moment. You love to say, if the superstar is a character problem, let him go. Do you do that with your stock picks? When you know... You've got a difficult character at CEO. Do you let that stock go or do you keep holding on to it for a little bit longer? Steve Jobs was probably
3: the most difficult guy uh-huh. anyone ever uh-huh. met. I remember listening to Walter Isaacson tell me that on the day that is they before he died his his daughter came in and he made some expletive about how how she looked. Uh, and yet I say own Apple, don't trade it. So you've got a point there. Maybe you need to have a stronger coach to counteract that. Andy Reid, again, because I think they could go all the way, I think he's had some troubled players. But you know what? He's had trouble in his personal life. He's had some some unfortunate he lost his son. And when that happens, I think everything is kind of pretty minor. And he can handle them. So I think you're right in the right coach. With the wrong coach, it doesn't work. But some coaches need all choir boys. That was getting to be the rap about Coach Peterson in Philadelphia, that he just needed choir boys, no thugs. Sometimes you can get the thugs and treat them uh, the right way and be
2: a mentor to them,
3: and, and, and you want them.
2: You want them. All right. Who is Jim Kramer as an employee? Is he a choir boy? Is he a thug? Who is he? Choir boy. <laughs> choir is that really?
3: Until I got my own company, and then – I was about as bad as you could be. I mean, OBJ, you know, I'm going, I'm going, you know, OBJ would say nasty things if he weren't in, I would say nasty things if I were in. So I know who I was once I owned the joint, but then I go back and I work at CNBC and I have a, an amazing team. And, and by the way, everyone always says they have an amazing team, but no, I mean, we just celebrated, my executive producer, it was her 45th birthday. It's okay, she had the number four or five in balloons. And we don't even know what to do with uh, without each other. I mean, it, because of COVID, obviously, and we're lucky enough to have jobs, so I'm, I'm happy about that. But because of COVID, we didn't get to hang out. We didn't get to go out for a birthday. And, and we lead a very horizontal life here where uh, there really is, you know, the vertical nature of a lot of places, including the shop that I ran, I find to be, in retrospect, a big mistake. Because it, it it makes people feel like that they either have to rise up or leave. And to run a horizontal means that you really get a chance to get to know people and like them. And I'm grateful to have horizontal now. Uh, Look, I wanted to stick it to the man at one point in my career. And then arguably, maybe I became the man. Who knows? But I've got to tell you, I'm happier. And I I know this is going to sound silly, but the Dalai Lama, I know I'm Jim Cramer, but (laughs) right, right. humor me. The Dalai Lama wrote this book where he said he kind of pivoted. Dalai Lama pivoted. And he went to say, listen, um, what he wanted you to do was good works. But then he realized that only if you were happy could you do the kind of good works that he wanted. And I find that that's kind of how I feel about work. Your best work will be done if you're happy. And to be happy means that someone isn't over your head screaming at you. And I was that person. I was the screamer. And I'm not anymore. And the times that I have. Uh, I think are so few and far between that when I do scream, one of my very loyal associates, when I apologize, he said, for what? And I realized maybe I had made it. Maybe I had it under control, but it's taken a lot. And, you know, you have a, a great show when people tell the truth uh, and, be, and open their souls. I have to tell you, and I don't mind my saying that, it was mental illness, I think, in a lot of ways that made it so that I was too angry. I was too angry versus the situations. It was irrational. So, you know, I sought help and I'm not uh, treating people the way I did it one time. And I wish that I could have just done it by just, you know, abracadabra. But I needed help because I didn't know because I didn't know how angry I was. And sometimes I mean, was it anger management? OK, call which one. But I have to get I had to get control of my temper. And I was like a true Philadelphian in the stands screaming I can still do that at sports, but my temper is no place at, jobs at, a, at, a, at, a, at a really good company.
2: You have to control your temper, and I had a real temper problem, as did my father. Oh, interesting. Is, is that where you think you got it from, from your pop? Oh yeah, and it was
3: unchecked by my mom, and he would scream and yell and think that that gave you the great results, uh, and I was scared of him uh, until uh, I was uh, – 40 and I said, I've got to figure out what to do. And I I bought season tickets for, for me and for him at the Eagles so that we could have something in common. Because what I saw that I was doing was repeating a lot of what he did, which was he was intolerant of people who made mistakes. Whether it be me because I got a B, or whether it be my sister because she was against the war in Vietnam and he wasn't. Uh and I had to change. And I'm glad I did because life is much more
2: fun when you're nicer than when you're
3: mean. I know that sounds soporific, but Carlos, it's real.
2: Well, I, I believe that too. And I, I was lucky enough to get to see it play out in real life in the form of my mom in particular. Um, and it's interesting as you say that because my mom and dad, both great people, but, but 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 very different things. And I think life in part was better for my mom because she was such a warm, giving person. And she was lucky enough that a lot of that came back. But let me stay on your dad for a minute if you don't mind. And, it, and it, Was he tough? I mean, I hit him tough but like, like too tough. You, you know, I wouldn't say too tough, but I would say that um, you, you did something very generous just a moment there ago when you went deep and you shared, you know, your own struggles and your own challenges there. And I, th- I think a lot of people don't always have access to help. And, and I think that I, I want to believe that most of us, if we got more help in whatever form that help could come in. Might be meditation, might be eating differently, might be exercise, mm-hmm. might be a mental health professional, might be spiritual, might be love, someone who loves us, someone we can love. But I, mean, I want to believe that there's an opportunity for us to be meaningfully better, meaning not 2 or 3%, but that there's 30 to 40% more of us uh, if uh, if we get there. But, but I, if I had to do it all over again, and if I was his buddy growing up, I, I would have tried to be helpful. Don't know if I would have been successful, but I would have tried to... To um, to have been helpful, and my guess is that would have made a difference. But but your dad, for for a moment, um, do you know why he was that angry? Do you do you have any sense where that came from? Yeah, I do.
3: Um, he was very unsuccessful in business. Uh, he liked to um, versus his friends, uh, versus his relatives. Even though he made peace with himself in what he did, he sold boxes and bags to retailers. And in the end, he ended up developing, at the age of 73, he got a good little business going of selling doggy bags to restaurants in Philadelphia. They're notoriously cheap. But he, we didn't have enough money. Um, and we were always scrapping for money. And it was visible. Uh, my father would come home, and he would be on the road a lot, and he wouldn't have made any sales. Uh, and so he would just go into his room. You know, he would not stop to say hi. You just go in his room. And, you, and my mom would say, dad had a tough day. Dad had a tough day. Let him alone. Dad had a tough day. Tread. Tread lightly. And it was because he didn't do well that day. And there were a lot more days that he did poorly than he did well. Because being a salesman and being on the road is very hard. Uh, and I'm not saying he took it out on us. I'm just saying he was miserable. And it wasn't until later when he didn't have to worry about his kids. When he didn't have to worry about our health care. And didn't have to worry that we were going to be uh, successful in his eyes. Then he became nice, and it was tough because I know why he wasn't upset. I mean, we we had a family where everybody was successful, and my father felt he was. He didn't realize he is successful in so many other ways, and instead he just thought about the money. Um, and it, it is such a shame, but that's America, um, it, where you're not as sometimes. Um, we look around and you see that you have health and you got your kids doing things and there's a lot of good things in life. But if it comes down to the dollar, then, you know, you can in this country feel like you've been unsuccessful. So Carlos, it it was tough because he had so much success. He just didn't know it. And I'm not being a Pollyanna. He had two kids who love him. I mean, I got to tell you in these new days, Kids don't love you. I mean, they love you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they love you. But holy cow. I mean, the text, the text. I mean, you know, Dad, why are you calling me? Well, I wanted to hear your voice. Dad. Dad. I mean, when I hear the word dad, what that means is I'm an idiot. And it's like, you know, it's never like, hi, Dad. It's like, Dad. And, And, you know, I would never say anything. My father, I was like the biggest lapdog. My father had this typewriter when he was 90. And he always had a ribbon. And he said, Jimmy, or Jamesy, could you put the ribbon in? And he was always knocking the ribbon out. And I was putting it always in. Or Roku. He had discovered Roku. And every time somebody had knocked Roku off, he says, oh, Jamesy, before you go, could you fix my Roku? And my sister and I, we used to see him every other weekend. And my sister would say, did he ask you to fix the Roku? I said, I just fixed the Roku. Fix the Roku. Fix And we wanted to strangle him. But he was pop. And Pop meant, oh, sure, Pop, absolutely. Oh, wait, it's a problem? Let me get right on that. My kids, it's like I'm liable to hear what I, you know, what was in my mind when my father right, would yeah. say, right. Roku.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Roku, I did I should have listened, and Roku's a great stock. Hey, now, what do you think would have happened? Because, because. I, by the way, I love Jamesy. I didn't know I didn't know Jamesy was in play. I love Jamesy. I love that may rest in peace. Uh, I love Jamesy. Uh, uh, daughters, you have two daughters, yes? Two daughters. I got one who teaches English in Madrid. Oh, oh,
3: I like. Um, she teaches eighth grade and eleventh grade English in Madrid. In Madrid. Um, loves it, loves the kids. It's really English. I mean, she teaches, she laughs because she's a dad. I, I, I don't really know Spanish. I just teach English. It's an English only course. I go in. I don't know what they have to do what I say. Um, unfortunately got COVID very quickly, um, and spent a lot of time in bed. Um, she's better. I took a big hike with her not that long ago and she looked, pre- she was pretty strong. And my other daughter graduated, um, last year, uh, w- uh with, an associate's degree, Um, in business and fashion at Parsons, but she can't find a job. And, you know, she looks all the
2: time, sends out a resume all the time and gets shot down all the time. But she's trying. What do you think would have happened if you had boys instead of girls? Do you think you would have been a different dad with boys instead of girls? I have thought about that for a long time. No one's asked me that.
3: Um, I think it would have been very difficult because of how much I like sports. And fortunately, I have one daughter who really does like sports, but um, I think that I would have had to work very hard to uh, not show some sort of uh, bias at the games um, if they played sports and because I just like sports so much. And it turned out that I had a real tomboy daughter who turned out to be an unbelievable athlete, and I never missed a game. But I, I just – I know I probably think – because I probably think too much about sports, but that would have been my probably my worry is that um, if, if, if he had been good, would I really want to go to that field hockey game as much as I would want to go to that basketball game?
2: Oh, interesting.
3: And I love basketball. I'm not any good at it. But I kept thinking, what would happen if I had a basketball – a kid who played basketball? That's like the most fun sport, and, and I just love it. And, and that's what I'd be thinking about because I went out for biddy basketball and then I went out for basketball in junior high, and I, hit, I got three baseline shots right in a row. And my coach called me over, and he said, you're cut.
2: It'll never be that good
3: for you ever again. And it wasn't.
2: Wait, he was right. Wait, wait, wait. You hit three baseline shots in a row, and he cut you? Three.
3: Ba- he said, Jimmy? Yeah, I was Jimmy there. Yeah, it's never going to be that good for you again. You're cut. Leave on a high note. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah,
2: he quit. told me to quit. Interesting, right? But, but who knows if he was right? I, Rex Chapman, you remember Rex Chapman, the basketball player? Sure. Rex Rex Chapman was the one who really made me believe the importance of these young coaches and parents in the mental mindset of athletes. He said, so much more is possible than your parents can imagine. Some, and, and he's even talking about some of the parents who are frenetic and the coaches can imagine. And he talked about the damage and the risk and how many times he felt like those kind of comments, those kind of moves actually push people back. I wonder what would have happened. I could I could see you, something tells me you would have been kind of a Patrick Beverly kind of, you know, tough little guard kind of bite you on the ankles guard. Well, then I had a coach who did love me, Coach
3: Malhorn, uh, for track. And I was a pretty good runner. And uh, when my mom passed away, she passed away very early. Uh, I didn't know who to go to because I knew that my father other was too stern and it'd be too difficult. So I went back to my high school coach. He was my confidant when my mom passed away. Uh, And he was tough as nails. I remember I I had perfect attendance. My mom was working and my dad worked. Okay. So um, I had a high fever one day. So uh, she wrote this letter says, please excuse Jimmy from track. He has a high fever. And Coach Malhorn said, oh, look at this. He h- it, holding it up to everybody. He said, gather around, gather around. Look, Jimmy's mom sent him a note. And he goes, Jimmy, I'm pinning this to your chest, in your, your sweatpants. I want you to give me 10 440s, walk across the field, and I never, ever want to see a note from your mother again. And see, now, cause I like that. Now, maybe I'm a masochist, but I like that. It taught me a valuable lesson. Your coach can be your father figure, but don't
2: be a whiner. And don't come in with a note from your mommy. Sorry, so let me stay with that because I have a very interesting conversation with a number of my colleagues about that. Some people would think about that as too harsh, Jim. They would say that's too harsh. They would say that's soul-crushing. They would say that's not the way to motivate, or at least that's no longer the way to motivate. I have to admit, I lean a little bit more on your coach's side. Maybe not exactly that. But but I definitely come from a place of, you know, I think about my grandmother and I think about her saying, you know, things just are tough. And, you know, she used to say when hard times get hard, hard people get harder. That was kind of, that was her perspective on it.
3: She's right, but someone has to teach you to be hard. We don't, it's not everybody comes naturally. I mean, Coach Malhorn, the philosophical difference between What my mother was saying, which was like, you know, Jimmy doesn't feel well. And what Mr. Malworm was saying was, it doesn't matter that you don't feel well. Many times in life come down to that. How many times do we see people who don't feel well? Now, in the year of COVID, we got to be careful, obviously. But there are a lot of people, I think, what they're really about is they're about saying, listen, I can't bring it today. And I think you and I both know, sadly or happily, you got to bring it every day. You have to. You can't not bring it, all right? Now, yes, if you're really, really sick, I get that. But you just cannot create uh, an environment at work where people just say, listen, I don't feel, I'm not, I'm not going to come in. And I, I just really believe that. I don't think I'm as harsh as I once was, which was, I, would, I used to say, you're working six days a week, and if you're not in by 6 a.m., then
2: don't bother. Interesting. Did you ever you ever lose someone great that way? I had a guy in the head with a water bottle on the way out, but he came back on Monday. wish <laughs> she hadn't he was a real jack. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna take you somewhere different. You have gotten to talk to more. All right, I've
3: been having too much fun. But I'm talking about all the stuff I don't talk about, which is good, It, right? you, it is good. I haven't mentioned my mommy in 35 years. My mommy. You know, I was asking my sister the other day, did we really call her ma?
2: I think most people call people ma. Right. She was Ma, Ma. What was what was her name? What was her what was her first name? Louise. I like Louise. I like Louise. Louise. She was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I was
3: dealt a bad hand. When she was fifty-four, she said, "Jimmy, I was dealt a bad hand." That's how she muted. That wow. She knew she was going to die. She said, "That Jimmy, I was dealt a bad hand," and that's you know she was angelic, and I miss her every day. She loved the stock market. She loved it. She liked the ponies, she
2: liked the cars, and she liked the stock market. Loved the ponies best of all three. Oh, did she? You want to know who your mom was? Bethany Frankel. Do you know Bethany from Real Housewives? Oh, I did a show with her. She's a blast. She is. And that's Bethany loves the ponies. She loves the stock. She loves the cars. That's very funny. I now have an image of Louise. You know, may she rest in peace. Oh, she's filled with personality. My daughter, my youngest, the one
3: who uh, is the artist, millions of people come through here, and she never says anything. I knew that she must. Like, I snapped a picture of me with Bethany, and, you know, immediately uh, Emma came back and said, Dad, you're not so bad.
2: (laughs) I take it as a compliment. Hey, who is the most talented person you've come across? Because you've bounced around so many different people, and I'm purposefully, I want you to give me your top three, and, and, and you you got to be completely candid about this. Top three most talented people, using whatever definition you want. This is the Madden show, except it's the Kramer show. This is the all Kramer team. Who are the top three of all time? Okay, I'm going to say some people who are a little controversial. All right. That's all right. Go for it. Uh, go for it.
3: I think that, and these are people I've met, right? These are yes. people I've yep. met. Yep. Okay, so first is going to be Bill Clinton. I thought he was really smart, had a great view of the world. I didn't think he was necessarily uh, a a hard left Democrat. I thought he was a uniter. I thought that he could make things uh, better for everybody. And that was his goal. And I love the fact that he grew up poor and then did very well in Georgetown and Yale. And I know he did things wrong, which does not. It's not. you know, Those are I'm not excusing anything because he's a deeply flawed man. But that's okay too. Because most of us are deeply flawed. So that's number one. Number two, because I'm from Philly, Mike Schmidt. Mike Schmidt. I got to meet him and spend a day with him. Holy and I could cow. not believe it. P- and Mike Schmidt is what <laughs> made me realize that we were not losers. Okay? I had thought we were losers until Mike Schmidt. Now, Mike Schmidt is the greatest third baseman ever, ever to play the
2: game. And that is a very big deal. That, that that you 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 are saying all kinds of things when you're saying that. You sure you want to say that? Yes, I do. I need an athlete. You're you're walking past all kinds of third basemen. I don't care. when you say that. No, Schmitty was the best.
3: Schmitty sat next to my mom. My mom won a season ticket to the Sixers. She loved basketball. They they only won nine games that year. And Schmitty was next to her. And Schmitty said, "I hate this town. I hate this town because you could you, you could go three for four, and the fourth time they boo you." And my mother said, "Schmidt was, she got to know him. And she said, there was no one like him. He was so humble and down to earth and every boo hurt. He hated the boos. I mean, he said, I don't know what to do. Philadelphia doesn't like me. I don't know how I can be better at my job. Now, would I put him in the Pantheon if he wasn't sweet to Louise? No, but he loved my mom like she was somebody famous. And she sat next to him and she would come home and say, oh, Mike is, oh, he's had a tough day today. Someone said something nasty to him at the supermarket, you know? And I'm thinking, Mike Schmidt and my ma are buddies. I mean, come on. He's the greatest we've ever had. And we're, we're, we're buddies. We're buddies. And then now, and then the last one I'm going to say, and you're going to say, oh, come on, Jim, you're just a syrupy old guy. But I'm going to mention my wife. My wife is. Now it's our second marriage. Both of us, second marriages. Okay. Lisa lost her daughter when her daughter was two and a half years old to a heart attack after a heart transplant. And uh when I met her, I realized holy cow, can she ever handle me? I am I am nothing versus what she's handled. And she is a titan. And a lot of people, I'll tell you what I see. She's amorphous. She doesn't, you know, she sold real estate. She was a a broker. And now she does a lot of projects that we work on together. But I see people dismiss her all the time. They dismiss her. She's, what is she? I can always tell whom I like, Carlos. It's a person who wants to talk to her and not me. Now, I would nominate one Joe Biden who did that to me because Joe Biden had read that my wife had lost a daughter. And he said, go away. I want to speak to your wife. 20 minutes later, which he's president of the United States. And that's a great thing. She was, um, she was in, he's saying, you know, she, they were both in tears. No, totally, totally cool. Next year I go, this is the White House there. My, a guy I hate, Tony Romo, because he played for the Cowboys. Obviously, right? Despise him. Came up to me and he said, uh, you know what? I'm going to make you love I'm going to make you love this cowboy. And I I, I said, how are you going to do that? He said, okay, watch me. He goes over to Lisa, and he goes, Lisa, there's so many beautiful. I just saw Scarlett Johansson. they got gorgeous women everywhere. No one is as beautiful as you are, and they're certainly not as smart. I've been loving Tony Romo more than anybody else in the world ever since. (laughs) So here we go. Here we go. I got a president that I liked a lot, okay? I got a hot corner guy that, that, yeah. that cheated my mom nicely. And I got a wife who can beat the band. And I love her. I just love her.
2: You would think she's a blast. Wait, now, how did you guys meet? How did you guys meet? Blind date. Huh. Yeah, both of us. Who set you up? Who, who, who set you guys up?
3: Um, Someone who was an assistant at her real estate office who uh, knew me and knew that I just sat around and did nothing. And she sat around and did nothing. And we were both miserable. We You never get married to get divorced. We both uh, loved our, our spouses, but we could not get along with them. Uh, we now all get along. We just came back from a nutty Christmas vacation together. Oh, what the heck? Life's too short, right? <laughs> yeah, I, it was insane. It was insane. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, uh we got we got along, and uh, I called her the next time, and she told me that she didn't feel well. I said, oh, my God, just tell me. I said, just tell me you don't want to be with me for a second. She says, no, I actually don't feel well. I said, oh, please, oh, please. I said, hey, hey, when you start feeling better, call me. So she called me, and we went out, and then, you know, we had, we had a pretty good run, been together for 16 years, and she's a blast. She's very tough, though, tough as nails. All
2: right, give some advice to people who are watching who are struggling with love. What's your best advice about love? Give give some good advice. Pure work. A lot of work. Got to work every day
3: at it. Every day. I got up this morning at 4 o'clock workout, and uh, my wife likes to wake up with a note which just says, sweet, you know, I love you. I hope it's the greatest day ever. I hope you do a good thing. I forgot. And at 6.15, I realized, oh, my God, oh, my God, please don't be up. Please don't be up. And I said her, XO, 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 XO. You know, I miss you, and I hope it's a great day, and please fill me in. And that's, if you don't do that, you know, that's – I don't regard it as work now. But when when she used to say to me, you know, I, I feel like when you've left, and, and you know, there's a disconnect. I, it, I, why don't you send me something nice? and you know it, you got to work like when i put the covers down there's a note from her and it just says i hope you had a great day and i and i'm so glad you're home you know i mean you have to just work you got to do the little things the little things have to happen you got to check in two three times a day and at least and not text pick up the phone and call and say how you doing what's going on and, and make it so that you you know and just care but these are work. You have to, like, look at the clock and say, oh, my God, it's 12, and I haven't checked in. I got to check in. I got to check in. And just check in. Check in. And last night I came home, um, and I came home too late for dinner. And she said, "Uh, I, oh, I said, what's for dinner? And she said, oh, I didn't make anything. I said, oh, that's okay. I'm not even hungry. I'm not even hungry. Because, you know, you got <laughs> <laughs> you to gotta- you, you, you can't go in there and say, oh, man, I'm, I'm hungry. Like, she says, okay, here's another one. So she says to me, "We're going to have a dry January," and I want to say, "You're out of your mind, right?" Because like, not we got some big football to play in January. We got, you know, just a, just, a, just you know, it's dark, it's cold, and I said, "That is a great idea. I've been wanting to do a dry January for years." I mean, I hate it, I hate it, but it doesn't matter, Carlos. We must, we must. To please. And I, you know, and, and then what happens is it comes back. It just comes back. It comes back. It comes back. So, yeah, I think it's work.
2: Work is the secret. It's not love. For, no, it's work. You, 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 you know what? You know what? You like working. I, I, just in general, yes, you I do. like working. You are not A.I. Your friend A.I., you know, had his famous rant about practice. Practice? You're a guy, you like the grind. I have a number three jersey. Uh, you know, it's funny when
3: you mentioned, you know, Schmidt was the opposite of of Iverson. Uh, Iverson brought great joy. I was at that game. The game, you know, uh, you know, we won a playoff game in that series against Shaq and Kobe. But I'll tell you that he's, he's troubled. He's a troubled person. Uh And I I know that he didn't want to practice. Talented, though. Talented. But the most talented. And he didn't want to practice. And me, I'm a practice guy. I'm like Bill Bradley. Kobe. You know, I only got to meet Kobe twice. Once was when he was on my show, a morning show. But the second was when I saw him sign an autograph to a kid in a hotel lobby. It was a little kid. And he was in a hurry. And Kobe stopped. He said, "Oh, Mr. Bryant, would you sign my sign my jersey?" And he goes, "Better be careful. I'm not from New Orleans." And you know, and it was just like kind of like, could he really be? Could he be that? Could he really? Be, and he was that. And he was that. His grandfather was uh, our bus driver for our away games. Uh, Kobe's husband, grandfather. Kobe's grandfather was our bus driver in away. Oh games. right, because Kobe was from Philly. Yeah, Mr. Bryant, and we were always respectful. And when we went to our 45th. Uh, high school reunion we were all so glad that we understood what niceness was and respect because we respected him he worked really really hard and then you know then Kobe. you know well they made jokes about what about about Kobe's father but he was a good sixer and he played in europe and that's when Kobe understood Italian but you know we we couldn't believe that his grandson came out to be I
2: think the greatest player ever the greatest player ever well you're just you're, you're i, I... Kobe may rest in peace, but you don't really mean that. Okay, Michael. Yeah, of course you mean Michael. Michael,
3: D- Duke's not in the top 20. North Carolina's not in the top 20. This is my year.
2: You know the most interesting thing in basketball this year? Your friend LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball is the most interesting thing in basketball. Hasn't been this much fresh. Have you watched him yet down there in Charlotte? No. Is he crushing it? You've got to watch it you got to watch this kid. Do you remember Mark Jackson when he was a rookie? Do you remember all those highlight passes you'd watch on George Michael's Sports Machine? Or uh, Jason Williams' White Chocolate? Do you remember White Chocolate, Jason Williams? Do you remember him? (laughs) I mean, that's what this kid LaMelo Ball is. He's doing a full court fast break behind the back to his left pass while the guy's cutting to the hoop. You can't make it up. It's beautiful kind of stuff. It's Pistol Pete kind of stuff. Do
3: you think the Nets are going to be great?
2: Not sure. I like Kyrie more than the average bear. I like Kyrie more than the average bear. And I'm okay with three superstars. I'm not in the same place everybody else is, Stephen A. and everybody else saying too many mouths to feed. I'm not in the same place. Because I think the talented people can sit around the table and say, what are we going to do? Are we going to keep coming in second, third, and fourth? Or are we going to win one so that we all feel better? So I think it's possible. But I I don't know. I, I, I do... Not no, because the question is: the question is, has your friend Jim uh James Harden does he have too much Buffalo Bill in him? Remember the Buffalo Bills would always get close and never could get there. Frank Reich. Should I say Jerry West or is that unfair? Jerry West. Uh, look, uh, let me tell you, I met Harden uh, on the floor of the stock exchange. Okay. He he likes the show. You know, you
3: get that stuff. Now a lot of times they say they like the show. I mean, I, I, Hillary Clinton, Bill, he says, "I I love." She says. She said, I'm, I went to this this thing that for ingenuity, retired at PepsiCo. And I, she came up to me, and, she, and you know she's walking by me, and she goes, I love your work. You know, I'm kidding. Well, and then she said to my wife, I love your work. And then she said it to the person behind me, I love your work. I've been had. I've been had. She loved everybody's work. She had no idea who people are. But Harden, now, Harden made people. Like
2: Hillary. He may just love my wife. hey. Right, right. <laughs> wait. Wait, I got to do I got to defend. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I, I got to defend Hillary because I like her. She's good people. Always been nice to me. I like her, like her, like her. I want to believe that was a mistake. I'm going to chalk it up to a mistake. I, I, I'm going to take the host privilege here.
3: My wife had just gotten her picture with her. She said, listen, she's my idol. I want to get my picture. It was Cindy Lauper, my wife got a picture with Indra, and then with Hillary, and she loves Hillary. And um she didn't know what to make of the fact that 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 Hillary loved her work as much as she loved my work. Other than to say
2: <laughs> that she didn't know about either
3: of our work. But you know, it was still a special night for my wife. My wife's so
2: special. Yeah, hey, you know what? Put a smile on your face, enjoy it, let it be, let it be what it is. All right. I'm gonna ask you for some ser- I'm gonna ask you for some serious, valuable advice here. I need some serious, valuable advice from you.
3: I know. I'm sorry. Sure no, no, no. Look, no. I don't, no one jokes around anymore. You know. Like, I, maybe this is the spirit of the century. You know. You know. You're joking around. is good. I'm not having a high from yesterday.
2: Uh, you know what? Yesterday was a beautiful day. You know who was the star of that thing? Was your uh, fellow Harvard alumnus, uh, the young lady Amanda Gorman? I thought the young, the poet. Did you see the young poet? Astonishing
3: poise. What our country is. Yeah. All about what our country is. We forgot, but I think you can remember. I think there are a lot of people who feel that our country is hopelessly divided. If you don't appreciate what that young woman did, then maybe we should be divided from you. Okay? Maybe there is no way because that person's a uniter. And, and and if you don't take joy in that, then you're you we're always gonna have a hard time. I don't know. You 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 need help. You need help if you didn't find joy and pride yesterday. You need help. How about JLo lo Speaking of Spanish, right? <laughs> I went to one of 40s. I said, isn't that like the greatest thing ever? I mean, like, I had to like Google it. I was like trying to write it down and stuff. Trying to get a hold of my daughter who's, who uh, teaches teach uh, English in Madrid because I thought it was such a happy
2: moment. Right, right. By he way- sang the protest song. Yeah. This land is your land is a protest song. But I loved it. I loved there was something magical about how she sang that. Wasn't it amazing? Yeah. Yeah. It was
3: incredible. It wasn't
2: supposed to be incredible. It was just supposed to be a song. Now what is her soon to be husband, Alex, who's a friend of mine, what is he what is how does he feel about you? Because he's a guy who likes business, likes the stock market. Do you guys talk? Yeah, I've gotta tell you, I found it kind of like this interview.
3: A uh, lot of homework, new stuff, and then the homework got you to where you never, where I hadn't gone before. Yeah, I mean, we talked about success and failure, a lot about failure, Re- a lot about failure, and I don't usually talk about failure because, like, you know, hey, hey, I'm a loser. No, I mean, he he brought it out in me, and then, uh, the, and it was for his for his podcast, and then he came on um, Mad Money, and he was sensational, and he's very winning, you know, because he knew. He knew my love for the Phillies and the Phillies had just taken two the day before. So when you start out, like you did here, you start out by saying you must be feeling high and you're thinking, I don't know. The market was bad that day. was he? He goes, he goes I, I, I said, what do you mean? He goes, you just took two. I said, Oh, <laughs> you know, he goes, I, you think I don't know what it is. I mean, of course this must be a very important day for you. I said, well, yeah, it is. We took two. So, I mean, I, I think he's a, uh, I think the Titan. I think my my wife, who he treats treated like a queen, said, "Look at him. Do people know how hard work, how hard he works, and how what a gentleman he is?" And that's true. Uh, and he came to our, our restaurant. Uh, now, unfortunately, our restaurant's closed right now. But and he treated my wife. He, he wasn't interested in talking to me. Once again, I loved that of them when we were doing the podcast. He was like, "Let me speak to her. I got to find out about you." Again, that's how you get to my heart. Let me speak to her. When they, when anyone does that, I am so won over because that's what matters. See, I know who's real and who's not. See, because she didn't have any fancy stuff. And one one time, I was at the same with Mark Benioff. It was a roundtable, and everybody was just like they were CEO. You know, this was a CEO and a CEO and a head of this and the founder of that and this and that. And they get to my wife, and my wife, she goes. I'm the CEO of this guy. Hardest job in the room. <laughs> and it's like everybody loves it. She's, she's smart. She doesn't have the title. She doesn't have the title that Carlos so many people insist on. And yet, I would match her against anybody in that room, in any room, because she's poised, and she's dealt with things that we, I hope you never have to do, and I hope I never had to do, involving running down a hallway with a child that's a, uh, that, you know, I'm talking about tough times, tough times.
2: You you know, both of you are really blessed because I hear your love and I hear the strength of it, and she sees it, and and you have to imagine how that stays with her even when you're not around, and how that fills her up to know that that, that you bring that level of love and enthusiasm and admiration uh, uh, to it, which I love to hear. I that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing.
3: And, you know, if you want to, this Saturday, I woke up, I had a good night's sleep. She had to go down. She had to run. Uh, she run some room with the dog, okay? Marley. She had to take Marley out. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I know. I know what to do. I am going to make the bed. And I'm going to make it so perfectly. And when she comes back, she's going to say, oh, lovey, you made the bed great. So I'm like practicing and practicing and practicing. And she comes up. So there, she goes, oh, lovey, you. you made the bed great. And that was it. The day was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I had to do. But that's great. Because that's, that's respect. I gave her respect. And by the way, she could have said, I mean, I didn't make everything perfect. She could have made a criticism, but she knew that I wanted to show her respect. And the only, and rather than say, oh, how was your dog? How's it? Make the bed. Make the bed. And then at night, before we went to sleep, she goes, isn't it great to pull down the covers in a nice bed? Nice, tight bed.
2: (laughs) Life is a little simpler than we think sometimes, Carlos. You know what? You may be right. You may be right. I love it. I love it. I love it. it. By the way, I want to meet Lisa. So next time when you do come to Ozzy Fest, which I know you were going to come to Ozzy Fest when everything gets healthy again Uh, in the world. Uh, What was the problem? Oh. you, you know what? It, I, I I was unhappy that that happened. I'm glad everybody was safe, but it broke my heart because we were going to have a beautiful time. Mark Lassery, everybody, I think it was going to be a nice event. Oh,
3: that would have been sensational. I, a lot of nice people are going to be there. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, now we got to get rid of this pandemic so we can start doing stuff like that again.
2: I hope so. I hope so.
3: We'll be we, we, going out again.
2: Well, you know what? Uh, we'll get to a healthy place again. And I like what, what your guy Fauci had to say today, he has a new pep in his step. Um, There's a new confidence. There's a sense of possibility, which is good. You said joy, but the other thing that's important in new enterprises is a sense of hope, of possibility. And when, when that starts to kind of go away and people start to think this couldn't be magical, this can't get better, that's not a good thing. And I felt like Fauci today was saying this can get better. Like this can get better. I see a way to get to the other side.
3: New cases drying down. I mean, yeah, he had
2: to talk about the South African strait. Right, right.
3: But he also made me feel like, look, we 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 got a plan now. And we didn't really. He didn't say we didn't have a plan. He, he's not a name caller. I mean, obviously, I would have been right, right. I, I would not have been able to contain myself as well <laughs> as he did. He's obviously such a remarkable man, um, and a lot of people don't realize, you know. He was instrumental in the wiping out of AIDS. As a, I mean, it's you know we still have it as deep, but you know, I mean, in this
2: country, right, right, right. Yep, he
3: did something. We all forget what it was like. There was such. There was a lot of contempt for gay people, and we don't even remember that. And and unfortunately, it it got that way again. And I hope that goes away because that's horrible. And and, um, I I really think that that he made me feel like you know what, it you're going to go out again sometime we're going to be able to go out again and maybe fewer people are going to die and maybe people are going to um uh, spend less time in the hospital and i felt i i just felt good you know i felt i think you, you you keyed on it it's hope yeah it's hope
2: I want to do rapid fire with you. Can I hit you with rapid fire? Sure. Your favorite book. I want your favorite book of all time. Anna Karenina. Tolstoy. Interesting. All right. All of life's lessons are in there. All of them. And you like the big books. Okay. I like that. Um, uh, Favorite movie. Uh, uh, it's still going to be uh, Godfather Two. Godfather Two, and 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 your favorite actor in the Godfather movies was who? Who who gave you the best? I, no, I I just really
3: just think that that Pacino was amazing. Yeah. I am. I'm a Pacino guy. I'm old school.
2: I, I loved in your Pacino like Brando, but I, I, Pacino's a girl. I still, you know, who gets underappreciated because he's not with us anymore? The gentleman who played Fredo. Uh, the gentleman who played Fredo. I think John Calzoni. That, that that was a beautiful performance. That was a beautiful acting performance. Man, he was good. He was. He was. He was. He was, good. He was Johnny O. Because of Johnny O. But it was because of Johnny O in Cuba.
3: That's all I knew. Right, right, right. All right, your favorite comedian. Who's your favorite comedian? All right, I'm going to date myself. I know you're not going to hear this, but it's still going to be Johnny. Johnny Carson. I mean, I don't know. Did you get to see that one night in uh, in Miami yet? Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. I want to. I want to. It's unbelievable. I don't want to give anything away, but Carson's in it. Not Carson Carson, but there's a guy playing Carson. And you'll see why I loved him. And remember the era. When you see him, remember. Remember that he was a person of, of – uh, he, he was not a person of bias. He uh, was a person who believed in – and you would have thought America would have gotten a little bit cooler – Um, A person who did not judge anybody by the color of their skin or by their racial preference, by their uh, religious preference. He is a remarkable man. And I don't want to say more
2: because I don't want to give it away. Uh, A kid from Nebraska, no less. Uh, A kid from Nebraska. You know who was was the most beautiful? I mean, there's so many beautiful things about the Johnny Carson show back in the day. But one of the most beautiful was Joan Rivers. You remember Joan Rivers? Oh, my God. I love Joan Rivers. Yeah.
3: Uh, And then she double-crossed Johnny. She went to the fox. She double-crossed Johnny. You can't double-cross Johnny. Johnny's a hero.
2: She did, but here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. She was gonna have a tough time getting her own show. Yes or no?
3: Never would get her own show. She was always gonna be number two. Always gonna be the understudy. Yeah. Absolutely, you're right.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right. But she should have told John more. Maybe she could. She could handle it better. She could handle it better. She could handle it better. I accept that. She could have handled it better. Yeah.
3: And she didn't. But you know what? She was funny. She was very funny. Look, I like the new breed of comedians, but you know, I just don't I don't
2: see them. I don't watch a lot of TV. I mean, Chris Rock's incredibly funny. Chris Rock's funny. You got to watch this new series on Hulu called Woke. There's an absolutely funny set of comedians. It's called Woke. W O K E. You're going to love it. You're going to thank me for it. You're going to send me a note. You're going to say that was inappropriate and funny. You're going to enjoy it. You're gonna enjoy it. You're gonna enjoy it. All right, give me a couple of stocks that people should keep their eye on that may be a little bit under the radar. But who could go Tesla on us in 2021? Who could go Tesla on us?
3: Um, okay, well I'm gonna um, I'm gonna give a real spec first of all. Okay, Ford Motor. They got a new guy, Jim Farley. They have they have lacked a very solid CEO for many many years. This guy is a car guy. He loves cars. That's not been what anybody's done before who loved, Who worked at Ford since Henry Ford. They've had a lot of people who just think it's a business. This man loves cars. He loves EV cars. He's going to do the F-150. I had an F-350 for business. It's great. It's great. I should have gotten the diesel at regular, um, but it's going to be EV. Uh, uh, and I think he's just inspired a lot of people. He's closing down um, all of the places he was losing money. We're not going to lose any money anymore, and that's great. So that's Ford. I think that that's a really, really good spec. I think people should focus on it, and it's going to be very good. I want to give another one that is um, uh, that I think is really pretty amazing. I just want to see where it went out. Uh, it's moved a great deal, but I don't care. It's NVIDIA, and NVIDIA is because they make the best chips in the world. Uh, the chips are so unbelievable that um, – they've changed a lot of people's lives. They are, uh, they're doing right now some stuff, uh, radical stuff with health, healthcare. When you hear about these vaccines, a lot of times they are, are truly, they're spun trillions of times to find it. And only Nvidia chips can make it so that uh, they can do all this trial and our artificial intelligence. So I really, really like that one. Um, I, I want to like, I want to say, I mean, a couple of boring ones. I still like Disney a lot when, because when we've, when we beat the pandemic, people are going to go and travel and Disney's the number one. And then kind of a one that I think a lot of people don't believe in anymore because they think it's really lost its way is Boeing. But I think that our president is going to be tough on China, but not tough the way the previous guy was, but tough like saying, OK, listen, we don't want you doing this anymore. Not that anymore. I mean, and we want you playing play ball with us. Not you know, not being jacked, you know, not being uh, ridiculous toward us. And that will lead to a lot of orders for Boeing. And I look, my father lost his job because of the Chinese. So I've never been, um, I was closer to Trump on China than, um, than I think uh, uh, Biden is. But Biden recognizes that the Chinese are taking advantage of us. And I think that they're, the Chinese are going
2: to show some good faith by buying a lot of planes from Boeing. So those are some good ones. So, so that's so interesting that you ended with the Chinese because I was going to say to you, I expected you to give me a Chinese stock or two when your boy Andrew stopped by here, Andrew Ross Sorkin. The first one off of his lips was Ant Financial. Now, obviously, <laughs> they're kind of stuck in a little bit of ambiguity right, right. now. But any, any any Chinese stocks that you're excited about? I have liked Alibaba from when
3: it was a little boy. I think Alibaba is amazing. I've actually bought some stuff on Alibaba; very good. Uh, it, that's a great company, and uh, it's now moved up a little because we found Jack Ma, my friend David Faber found him. Um, but <laughs> Alibaba is an amazing company, and that's the one, by the way. If you look at the financials, they look just like an American company, and I think it's just—I think it's dynamite. I think that people should buy Alibaba. By the way, Andrew's dynamite. I thought. By the way, I emailed Andrew constantly during the show. Oh, do you? I, I like Andrew. Andrew's got a nice way about him. I love him. There was a guy on the Today who was getting a free pass, I thought. So I said, you got to hit him. And Andrew, and he hits him. And I said, like, yeah, I, I just, Andrew's just great. He, Andrew's just great. He's really sensational.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's done, he's done good things for you guys. And you guys now have several star players throughout the lineup. And by that, I don't mean celebrity, but I mean strength between yourself and Faber and others. I think you guys have... You guys have a nice lineup with so many players uh, up and down uh, up and down the scheme. My
3: other partner, Carl. I mean, Carl's a
2: fabulous quarterback. I mean, you know,
3: he's a uh, – I happen to think, by the way, that, that I, I, I think that Allen's great, okay? Natural talent.
2: What, well, you know what? I appreciate the way I've seen several places where you said that, and I love that you give him that respect because he's definitely one – you know what he is? He's Mo Cheeks. You're too young to remember Mo Cheeks. But he's Mo Cheeks. No, I'm not too young to remember Mo Cheeks. Oh, come on! You remember Mo Cheeks?
3: do you say that to me. Of course, I remember Mo Cheeks. I remember, Look, I remember that team. That was a great
2: team. Yeah. That was a great team. Yeah. McGinnis smoked. You know that George McGinnis smoked. I didn't know that George McGinnis. looked now George McGinnis, Lloyd Free, Steve Mix, Caldwell Jones, Bobby Jones. You, I, you, you remember all those guys? That was a great team. But you know what? We ran up to a. We ran up against a Bill Walton buzzsaw. Well, I, I, that's not the way I see it. The way I see it is we were up 2-0. And I say we because Dad and I were on the side of Dr. J and the good people. Remember, we were up 2-0 in that series. Right. We were up We were up 2-0 just like your friend Giannis, and then we just, like, gave away four games in a row. Gave away.
3: And uh, in Bill Walton's uh, autobiography, he has some good stuff about that, about that series. But he's a very creative guy, Bill Walton. I mean, a little nutty, but hey, yeah, we all are. But I like Bill Walton's autobiography. I learned a lot from it. Uh, there's some good Wooten stories in there. Um, there's also a great story that I loved. My daughter lived in Oregon when she was a suicide counselor. She's doing stuff there trying to help people. And he used to say that the biggest games that they played were against, or, from UCLA, or against Oregon and Oregon State because it was all they cared about was beating UCLA. He said, "Everybody, you play, and it didn't really matter. Everyone wants to win. No, those guys, all they cared about." She said, "So you would go up there, and he talked about losing in Oregon, and about how it was. You know, he said, I never want to lose again.' This was the most important game, and then he lost against what against a uh, UNC. Uh, but he is. Uh, I asked someone asked anybody I wanted to to interview, and I interviewed him, and it ended. It lasted for three hours, and, and people were spellbound, and no one
2: wanted to go home. You, you know what?" That that Walton team and Walton in general, I think if Walton had been healthy, could he have gotten four or five rings Shaq-style? Now, I know he got another one in Boston. Maybe he got two. But I, I think he could have got. because I like Maurice Lucas, by the way, if you remember Maurice Lucas. I liked – Oh, my God. Lucas was fabulous. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And, uh, you know, they made a deal to play together. Yeah. You know, you know like uh, in Brooklyn – or actually with, with the way it was in Miami – he uh he didn't want to play there unless Lucas was really motivated uh because they that team had a bad reputation
2: oh interesting yeah it probably was uh was was kind of an outpost th- there was good basketball back in those days the uh uh the washington team the seattle team uh, th- there was a bunch of good uh, there was three point ball before there was three point ball uh in some of those uh, late 70s teams if you uh, uh if you remember that do
3: you think that 83 team you know the the um the Faux fo- Faux fo- Faux team was a top
2: with five. Moses. Yes, how great a team was that? It, it, it was a great team. Before it's top ten, not top five. Top ten, not top five. Now, here's what it has: it has the single greatest poster in basketball history. Moses shows up there. Did you? You never saw the poster. You clearly did not have the poster. No. It had Moses in biblical garb and said, can Moses lead the Sixers to the promised land? And it had the Red Sea parted and it had a trophy over there. It was a beautiful thing. It was great. That was the best poster. That and John Starks. I don't know if you ever saw the John Starks left-handed dunk poster with the Knicks. That was a great poster.
3: No, look, I think I remember that. You know, but look, there's these series that we'll always remember in our, our lives. And they're serious when, when you ran the table or series when your team was so much better that there was no guesswork about it. Uh, and, and those are, are, are joyful. Now, obviously, when the Eagles when the won it all, I didn't expect that. But there's also these teams where it's destiny. And I've always felt that they belonged in other cities, not Philadelphia. So that was nice that that was a destiny team.
2: Oh, you know, what? I, I felt like Dr. J gave Philly the magic she deserved because he also was elegant, too. There, there was an elegance. There was a class to him, which I thought also gave you something a little. He was kind of Derek Jeter before Jeter, right? He was. He was. That's interesting. He was a captain. Yes. You know what I mean?
3: Yes, that's a very good analogy.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. a very good analogy. Yeah, and yeah.
3: He was a hero, and then he uh, did very well in business with Coca-Cola, uh, and just was one of those people. That made you feel that Philadelphia was a, a, a serious town, not a loser city, right? Or else he would have left.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have left. Yeah, yeah. We can't be that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was kind of a Willie Mays figure. All right, here's but here's what I got. It here's I got to I got to ask your advice. So I think a lot. Uh, you know, I read a lot, and I read where you said your dad really encouraged you to work hard. Right? Encouraged you to work hard. Encouraged you to go for it. Yes. Yeah. But as I've talked to a lot particularly of black entrepreneurs over the years, Jim, there's been a sense that even if you work hard, it may not work out for you. It may not work out at least the way that you want. And that you might work hard, you might scrap, what have you. What advice do you give to black entrepreneurs, black stock traders who are coming to you today? And I don't want to presuppose, and I don't want to kind of, but 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 what would you say? If it was your nephew, if it was your neighbor, if it was your your friend, your protege, and they're coming to you and they're saying, I love what you've done and I love the road you've gone down. I want to have that kind of success. Would you give them any different advice than the advice your dad gave you? Would you give them the same advice? What would you, what, what would you say?
3: No, I, I, I mean, it's kind of like Damon John. Uh, you, you have to be scrappier. Uh, my friend Ray McGuire was a good friend of mine at law school. Um, I, you know, I'm not allowed to recommend anybody in political or whatever, but Ray worked harder than everybody. OK, and he had to work harder than everybody, I think, because he even talks about it. You, you know, he's, there's racial discrimination in the country and you have to work even harder than the white kids. I believe that it's unfortunate. Uh, but I believe that there is terrible racial discrimination in this country. I would have liked the thought that somehow we would have gotten past it, but we haven't. So it's tough as it is to say, I, I, I you don't want to ever sentence anybody this, but say, you know, unfortunately, in this country, Uh, a young black man has to work harder than a young white man and study harder because there's just the discrimination came back. I mean, maybe it was never, maybe it was always there, but I would have to say, listen, you know, I work hard. I set my arm at four. God, maybe in this country right now, you got to set it at three Uh, because I don't like what I saw in the last few years. I think that, it was hard to watch what happened in this country. And I say that to my team. Uh, and my hope is, is that I can just say you got to work really hard, not you have to work really, really hard because our country's not what I thought it was. Uh, that's how I feel right now. I'm hoping that's not the case, but that's how I feel right now. I feel that this is uh, that we've been through a real bad period where um, where people were discriminated uh, based on color. And on gender. And uh, my daughter's gay, and there's a big reason why she's over in Spain. And it's not just because she likes the food. She feels very strongly that we have two countries. Uh, there's the country that uh, everybody has it. And then there's the country that's discriminated against. And she has taught me a great deal. Uh, and she's right. So I feel like the, the, the discriminated against in this country, unfortunately, I've got to say, listen, you got to work incredibly hard uh, and understand that I, I want your back, but I'm not the government or, you know, I, I want to promote, I want to do whatever's necessary. But uh, when I see the kind of things that I've seen um, in these this last few years, I know that that we are uh, not we're it's not there's just not not enough equality. There's not equality, not not enough. That's 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 not the right way to put it. There There's no equality. And we have to work towards social justice, uh, all of us. And that's why I spend a lot of time with my money asking people, "What do you have to do to change your stripes? What do you got to do? We all have to do. What are we doing? We all have to talk about it. We all have to be better at it. We have to be more. We have to be more caring and more understanding about innate biases that we may have that we don't even know about. And it's time that we talk about it and understand it. So I have to say right now, I would love to be able to say, just go work hard. But I think that then if someone came back and said, I, you know, Jimmy, I'd like to work hard, but I feel like if things are biased against me. Uh, Carlos,
2: I, I, I'm not going to say you're making it up. I'm going to say, yeah, it's not what we want. You know what I'm going to do, Jimmy? I, I've this. I've had this in my mind for a long time. I, I I think you're right. I, I wish it wasn't true, but I think it's not just slightly harder. I think it's dramatically harder. But I think we need entrepreneurs, and we need an integrated set of entrepreneurs. And I kind of want to start this boot camp for would-be entrepreneurs for what I might call unconventional. And by that, I don't just mean black entrepreneurs, but anyone who might not seem like a 22-year-old Stanford grad white male engineering student in a right, hoodie. So, right. so, so anyone who may not fit that. And I, I, I'm i going to ask you to come and speak when I do that. I'm going to ask you to come and speak if if you would. I will, both,
3: I will both support it financially and come and speak.
2: I appreciate that.
3: Now, I am older now. I'm not like the way I used to be. I have, uh, I'm younger thinking and I'm certainly more open-minded, but I may not be, it's going to be hard for them to identify with someone my age. But I will do my best for Carlos. I will do my best for you.
2: You, you know what? You will be surprised because when we had Lloyd on the show, the number of people who really enjoyed Lloyd and enjoyed what he had to say, it surprised him. I, I texted him afterwards, and he was warmly surprised at who he reached and who he resonated with. So I, I think this world is so fluid. There's so many interesting combinations. People like music you wouldn't think they'd like. They like TV shows you wouldn't think they'd like. They like living in different places, blah blah blah, and you see in their stock trading, right? People are picking stocks you never think would be their hard stock, right? And uh, and so You're right. You're and right. so 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 crazy things will happen.
3: That's good for me because I would say uh, I would feel you know knowing that they like Lloyd and can identify with some of the things he's saying, then I, I can bring my A game and and not worry. Okay, I will bring my A game and and, I, and it'll be and it'll, it'll be it'll be triple A by the time I get there.
2: And not only will it be triple A, but you will find people who are hungry for it in the best possible way. You will find people who are hungry and who are excited. And 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 I know how hard you work, and I know how much you love the work. I know the Kobe in you, and you'll find some Kobe's here. I mean, you'll find some people who are excited about the effort. You'll you'll be excited. This will be a good thing. It'll be a good thing when we do. It. It'll be a good thing.
3: Well, I look forward to doing it.
2: All right, I'm going to end here. Everyone and and their brothers been talking about these Robin Hood investors, been talking about is the market fundamentally different than the market that you knew even 18 months ago, whether or not all the money that flew into stimulus checks or that are flowing through these apps that make it easier to trade. is, Is the stock market fundamentally different, or is this wonderful rally real and meaningful and representative of healthy growth and progress in the economy?
3: I think there are parts of it that are uh, unrealistic and cheer-led and may not be real, uh, but I've met a lot of younger investors, and their knowledge of the companies is so vastly superior to what people think. Their ability to research at the tip of a finger because they understand technology is extraordinary. I'll meet someone they'll say, and I'll say, they'll say they like uh, Snowflake, big big company. They came public and I'll say like, what about it? Thinking they're going to say, I don't know. It's like Snowflakes. They'll tell me about how two people lost their jobs because of Snowflake because you didn't need them anymore and how one person introduced Snowflake and it brought up the productivity dramatically. And you're sitting and you're just like, wow, prejudge, prejudge. Every time you prejudge, you make a mistake. And I am just in awe of the work that these kids do. Yes, there's going to be guys who say, hey, listen, the stock went up and I bought it, you know, and then it went up some more. But the level of 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 um, pure excitement and joy is real. They do homework. And anyone who writes them off rather than trying to encourage them is really trying to keep people in their chains. And you can't do that. I see people trying to keep people in their chains all the time. And you can't just say these rich hedge fund managers, they say, oh, well, that person's going to boil like a frog in hot water. I saw someone say that today. How dare you? How dare you? These people come in with gusto. They come in with game, encourage, teach, help, explain, and they're going to be much better than you. And I think a lot of these people are jealous. The older people are jealous. They they don't know how to research the new way. They don't know. They're not facile. I mean, I'm not facile with my you know, my kids. Of course, they get very angry at me because it's like today during the show, I the a new iOS came out. Okay, so I downloaded it, and it's it, it made a, it started making a phone call because I said something in the middle of the show. We had to do a segment over. Now I mentioned it to my daughter, my daughter's just like, are you idiot? How could you have? Re- didn't you know that iOS 13 has that function. iOS 13. I don't know iOS 13. I don't know iOS 13. I, mean, I don't know anything." But it's very interesting. They are smarter than we are. So let's encourage them and let
2: them do well in the stock market. We can do it. We can encourage them. Hey, hey why do you wear a white shirt and a tie? How did you decide to do that? Why do you wear that? At Goldman. Why do I wear the shirt here? Yeah.
3: Oh, or this shirt. This is the outfit they pick out from, my, from my, the company buys that. But I always wear a T-shirt underneath to protect the shirt. I learned that at
2: Goldman. Love that. And how long were you at Goldman? Was Lloyd there when you were there?
3: Yeah, Lloyd was there, man. He was funny. I went down there to see him in commodities. No one cared. I said, do you mind if I bother you? He said, sit down. He was a storyteller even back then. Um, I was there for uh, for five years. I loved it. I loved four and a half. Got to be specific if you're a Coleman. And I did love it, but I wanted to have my own company. And I went from being, like you said at the beginning, I was a choir boy, and then I went
2: to be a thug. Right. <laughs> love that. Hey, Jim, you have to come back. Um, uh, you got to bring Lisa with you and, uh, just what a pleasure, what a way to have a, uh, have a great day. I really appreciate you.
3: Well, I'll tell you again, remember though, you got the benefit of the high that I'm on from yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it was a high. You, you know I what? I hadn't had a high like, I was like. Woo! hey, how about that, J-Lo? How about that kid saying that poem? How about, well, you know, I mean, well, can you believe that speech was a nice speech and no one was being made fun of or did, there was no anger and it's like, wow, you know, I don't want to get sick, but today I didn't think about it. I didn't think about getting sick. I mean, I think about that damn illness every day. I did not think about it yesterday. Maybe that's, maybe that's the highest thing you can think. It was not on my mind. The illness was not on my mind other than when there was a plan put together that is not a joker plan but a real plan from the federal government because it's too big for the states and the nice people working public health. It's too big. We're going to get some
2: we're going to get something done. You know what? I really hope so. No more the anger. The anger's a loser. It's loser. Did you know your boy Trump back in the day was Trump ever on your show?
3: Yeah, he was never like this. He was never like that guy. He was never like that guy. Huh. I mean, you know, some people rubbed the wrong way and stuff, but he was never that guy. I, I don't know. I mean, he seemed to be funny and he was affable and he was full of himself, but never took himself too seriously. Uh, I, I didn't know that that would be that, you know, I was an apprentice judge for four years. I never saw that Trump. I may be, But that may be because I'm blind. Because I worked at the network, you know, I did stuff, but, you know, I was doing it on TV. It was TV, but I never saw the Trump that we saw president. Never. Huh. What, 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 what did your boy Larry Kudlow say? Well, Larry, you know, Larry's, uh, Larry's a soldier. Okay. And, and he's a polite
2: soldier. Right.
3: Uh, Larry's is is very, um, Larry, Larry's a very kind man. Now, his policies, people might say, are not kind. But Larry's a gentleman. And so it was always hard for me to understand, other than wanting to serve for his country, how, um, you know, Larry's very polite. And and, uh, it, and he deserves polite back. Uh, so that was difficult. I know there are a lot of people who felt like Larry gets everything wrong, whatever. I, I, Larry's my friend, and I'm a loyal guy, okay? I mean, you know, I got to tell you, Carlos... Real uh, to a fault. So I know that my loyalty has gotten me in trouble uh, on on many occasions. But that's why I'm. Uh, I wish I were less. I don't know how I got that way. I have often tried to adjust, and I have not been able to. You get to be the age I am now. You kind of say, "Okay, listen, uh, I'm loyal, I, I, and it's going to hurt me." But I—that's why I'm, and I'm loyal to Larry, I'm not loyal to President Trump. But
2: I'm Lord Larry. Um, Carlito's Way. Uh, if you've ever seen that movie, sure. you're, you're Carlito in that movie. You're, ta- you're talking to Gail, your girl, and you, it, I am who I am. It's good. It's dooms. Yeah, yeah. Hey, they are telling me I have to let you go. I wouldn't let you go otherwise. I would take you into a whole different space.
3: Yeah. Oh, look at
2: this.
3: I take my watch off. It's an iOS. <laughs> <The> iOS. <laughs> Call my wife. Oh I'm calling someone. See, this is what I mean. I'm calling someone. I just called someone because I said something. I love Apple, but this is insane. I just called some No, it's called oh, Listen to this. I'm sorry. Don't get on I got Gina. Oh no, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I called you by mistake. I'm sorry. Bye-bye. Well, anyway, I gotta, I gotta go study for tomorrow.
0: Thanks for joining the show, Jim. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Carlos Watson show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast.
4: slash iHeart.